0: This is Archive Atlanta, episode 136, Dogwood Festival. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shape the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lemos. Hey everyone, happy Friday. This week we're talking about the Dogwood Festival. And yes, I am well aware that this happened just last week in Atlanta, but I think we all know what kind of podcast this is, and that's not the one that times episode topics with current events. All joking aside, it was hearing about this that led me to the episode. I've never been to the Dogwood Festival, but I started to wonder, like, when was this created? Why? By whom? And so here we are, a short, deep dive into this blooming tree, why it's associated with Atlanta, and why we celebrate it every year. First, we have to start with the tree itself, the cornice florida or flowering dogwood, is native to North America and northern Mexico, and it was first cultivated in 1731. Thomas Jefferson planted them at Monticello, and the state of Virginia named it their state tree and flower. It can grow to about 30 feet high, and in the upper south, its ideal habitat, it can get to even 40 feet. When they bloom in the spring, they're covered with these gorgeous white flower petal things, and they look like fluffy snow very scientific, I know. As a Southern transplant, I will say that 15 years later, I say the same thing. Spring in the South is unparalleled. The amount of color and blooms and just general length of the season is something that does not exist in New York. New York spring is like the dirty snow melts and then it's summer. And so I always tell people like spring and fall are real seasons and they're not one weekend long and they're beautiful here. So what about Georgia and dogwoods? When I was researching Scottish Atlanta, I came across the mention of the Burns Club riding out to Lithonia for dogwood day around 1909. While Atlanta was not yet teeming with these dogwoods just yet, we did love our gardening. And I've wanted to do an episode about gardening clubs for so long, but I kid you not, there were so many that the topic is really overwhelming. Every single neighborhood, even sections of neighborhoods, had garden clubs and they didn't always go by their geographic name. What you do have to know about them is that this was white women's leisure at its finest. In a time when women did not work outside the home if they did not have to, those with that privilege belonged to respectable clubs and organizations, so things like the women's club or mostly these garden clubs. And these garden clubs had hierarchies. You know, they had presidents and vice presidents, and they had meetings, and they did elections, and they wielded a lot of influence, as you're about to find out. In 1923, Atlanta decided it should be the Dogwood City. By the following year, the superintendent of school suggested that children plant dogwoods on Arbor Day. And while that holiday started in Nebraska, Georgia's Arbor Day started in 1890, and it was celebrated in December. In 1941, they actually moved it to the end of February. But the campaign was that everyone in the city plant dogwoods. And so in 1924, they established 2,000 trees. By 1925, Dogwood Day was officially December 4th, and Dogwood Week would go from November 29th through the 5th of December. The directive was that dogwoods be planted in every single yard across the city. In 1928, the Garden Club of Georgia was founded at the Biltmore by Mrs. Robert L. Cooney. You do not want to know how long it took me to find her name, but thankfully I did. Lorraine Meeks was born in Tennessee, and she married Robert Lee Cooney, an Atlanta insurance executive. In the late 20s, she was definitely living the clubwoman life and also intensely interested and skilled in gardening. She served as a president of the Petrie Garden Club, which formed in 1923, with some high-profile ladies with surnames like Adair and Inman. Cooney was instrumental in getting this little Atlanta club under the umbrella of the National Garden Club of America, the only local club to do so. So in 1932, the Garden Club of America holds their 19th annual conference in Atlanta. And in that year, they had 93 member clubs in 28 states and 6,400 total members. In 1934, the Peachtree Garden Club formally established the Garden Center, located on the sixth floor of Rich's department stores. And this worked because I said earlier, there are 55 different garden clubs in the city at this time. So this was an open, it was free and open to the public, and you could go there and be like educated about gardens and plants, but they also held meetings and events, and it was just very fascinating. Mrs. Cooney was president of this garden center, and she began to discuss how we can plant more dogwoods so we could have a dogwood festival one day in the future. And that day came in 1935 with the planning for 1936's Dogwood Festival. The decision to hold this officially happened in the garden center, and almost all local clubs pledged their support, even all the way over in Eastlake. Initial plans called for a floral parade, festival ball, garden tours, and the Iris Garden Club, led by Mrs. Dowdell Brown, organized planting thousands of dogwood trees. And she served as a chairman under Mayor James Keyes' Dogwood Committee. So it was Mayor Key that started the Dogwood City push, using the talent and support of these women's clubs to plant a goal of 10,000 trees. The first tree was ceremoniously planted at the corner of Lee Street and Rose Circle. And before you ask, I have not gone there to check. So if someone lives nearby and they see it, send me a message. But the master plan was to start along state highways, um, roads like, you know, Bankhead Highway, Ashby, which is now MLK, um, Dixie Highway. And they did this. They planted thousands of trees. Now, in the most Atlanta turn of events, a week later, vandals went around and destroyed almost all of the plantings. By February of 1936, the preparations were full steam ahead. The Georgia Federation of Women's Clubs launched a campaign selling dogwood seals, which I think were pretty much stamps. Organizers expected this to be, quote, important as the Cotton Carnival was to Memphis or Mardi Gras was to New Orleans, end quote. Mrs. Cooney had put in four years of work, and the Atlanta Dogwood Festival Association was, of course, chaired by the mayor, presided over by Walter Rich and another man as vice president. Cooney got to carry the title of director. If you cannot tell, I'm rolling my eyes right now. 161 other prominent Atlantans were named in some capacity, mostly for press and publicity and and funds. And what I have to mention is that we're in the height of the Depression. So this inaugural... Dogwood Festival is seen by most in the city as a revival for the Atlanta spirit. It's a chance for our city to rise from the ashes of the depression. So all the big guns supported it. The Chamber of Commerce, um, the Hotel Association, the Retail Merchants Association, like anybody that sold anything was excited about the prospect of people coming into Atlanta to visit and buy their things. And I think what makes this story so Atlanta is that while this idea was born from Lorraine Cooney's passion, the plans were co-opted by a city obsessed with image and marketing. Atlanta leaders knew that thousands of people traveled to Charleston and Mobile to view their azaleas or up to Washington, D.C. to see their cherry blossoms. Portland and Pasadena had their rose festivals. And so Atlanta needed something, too. And the Dogwoods were it. The dates were chosen, April 19th to the 25th. The money is raised, $25,000, and Hugh Donaldson is hired. He was a consultant from Chicago who worked on that city's, Um, they had like a big marketing push as well, called a Century of Progress event. The garden clubs are working on their floats. This was Kirkwood Civic League, Lullwater Garden Club, Peachtree Garden Club, Rose Garden Club, Primrose, Planters, Hapeville, College Park. Um, there's more. There was a Dahlia Society of Georgia led by Mrs. Samuel Inman. And the reason I think they were all working so hard is probably bragging rights, but also there was a $100 grand prize. This week in Atlanta was going to have wrestling bouts, the Philadelphia Symphony led by Leopold Stowiski, uh street dancing at Five Points, a junior league carnival and ball, a meet at Grand Field, polo matches at Fort McPherson, church events, a floral painting exhibition at the High, the Hell Racers at Lakewood, there was a baseball game, the Crackers were playing the Knoxville Smokies, and there was a citywide search for the Dogwood Princess. By April, 3,000 dancers, performers, and musicians arrived in the city preparing for all the events. For locals, tickets went on sale at Cable Piano in downtown Atlanta. For as little as $14, which was like a couple of the events, to as much as $28, which was like a week-long pass, you two could take part in the Dogwood Festival. And while you were there, you could also cast your vote for Dogwood Dogwood Princess. Side note, cable piano would actually burn in a very famous tragic fire just months after the festival, but I hope to talk about that in a future episode one day. So finally, April 19th arrived. That Sunday, you could go out to tour Stone Mountain, see the Cyclorama, make your way down to Noonan to the Dunaway Gardens, visit Lakewood Park, the High Museum, the Dogwood Farm in Panthersville, hear the Symphony or Big Bethel's Choir, or check out the General Motors Parade of Progress. That last one was really interesting part of the history. Uh, the car company launched it in 1936, and it was a way to bring, quote unquote, "the future to small towns or rural communities during the Depression. So this was basically a little parade of futuristic bus-looking car things called future liners. And they were specifically built to carry animated exhibits. So they had a 16-foot side panel that folded out and kind of made like a little marquee or platform. And then they showed exhibits about scientific research and engineering. There were also garden tours of the most prestigious homes in Atlanta, including the Swan House and Pine Bloom and the Cater Woolford Gardens. Georgia Tech's Grant Field held an event called Fairyland, where a thousand amateur actors performed fairy tales. And in case you're dying to know, the Piedmont Garden Club won the float contest, and Miss June Spaulding was crowned the Dogwood Princess. All in all, it was a roaring success, so it's going to seem really weird when I tell you that the following year, they never had an event of this magnitude again. In 1937, there was a concern that we had a mild winter, it was going to mess up the blooming season, and the celebrations just wouldn't be adequate. The press really goes radio silent until about 1939, where they discuss that Cooney is still putting on the festival and how that year sent a cold snap through that week in April. In 1941, Mayor LaCroix transplanted a Dogwood onto the lawn of City Hall, and Georgia Power ran special um, bus routes called Dogwood Specials. The focus that year was really on seeing trees, and no events were planned. My guess is this is due to two things. The first being World War II, which had started in 1939, and the second was the death of Mr. Cooney. When Lorraine found herself a widow, she moved back to her hometown of Nashville, Tennessee, leaving her Atlanta legacy behind. She remarried in 1946, becoming Mrs. Jackson Rogers, but she also went on to to write a book called The Garden History of Georgia. There was no Dogwood Festival throughout the war years, but it would return in peacetime in 1948. In 1950, Mayor Hartsfield got involved and appropriated $60,000 for the Dogwood Campaign, a plan to care for the existing Dogwoods, plant yearly trees, and hold an annual festival. The 50s was a boom time for dogwood planting. So the Atlanta Women's Chamber of Commerce planted 250 dogwoods around um, Lake Claramere in Piedmont Park. They ran a subscription drive to get enough money to plant 10,000 more trees. Uh, College Park planted there. They planted about 50 trees in downtown. They called it the Dogwood Arcade. And the city started Dogwood Tree Week. By 1960, these Piedmont Park dogwoods were maturing pretty beautifully. In 1964's festival, the city of Atlanta had one million people and two million dogwoods. And the dogwood festival name had been trademarked by the Greater Atlanta DeCab Dogwood Festival Inc., and they began to call the event the First Dogwood Festival, even though we know it's not true. The dogwood chosen queen was O.V. Folds, a Delta stewardess who brought a dogwood tree from Atlanta to President Lyndon Johnson at the White House and planted it on their lawn. Similar to the 30s, the dogwood festival in the following year was mediocre. There was an editorial in the paper kind of blasting Atlanta for the fact that Thomasville, Georgia's Roses Festival was being held 44 years in a row and they could attract 50,000 people. And this past Dogwood Festival that Atlanta had really relied on events like, you know, an already scheduled Crackers game. And festival organizers, of course, point to a lack of money and they're like, you know, we can't do what we want to do without any funds. They tried to rally in 1966, the same year that the new Braves team arrived in Atlanta, but it didn't happen. And in 1967, the papers called that year's festival a quote-unquote reset, and they advertised it as the fourth annual Dogwood Festival. This back and forth continued over the decades. It seems that every time Atlanta wanted to promote something, like Underground in 1969, they found a way to showcase it during the Dogwood Festival. They added parades and concerts back into the mix in 1969 and through the 70s. In 1972, it was awarded the quote, stay and see Georgia, end quote, special award and the organizers were credited with increasing attendance by 70% from 1971. In 1975, Carol Channing was the grand marshal. In the 80s, the festival went back to its week-long format. In more recent times, the Dogwood Festival took a break in 2020 because, you know, global pandemic, but it was able to happen again this year, albeit a little later in the year than usual. So there you have it, the story of Atlanta's Dogwood Festival thank you everyone for listening. Remember to leave a rating and or a review, and you can visit the Patreon link in the show notes to support the podcast. Hope everyone has a great weekend, and I'll talk to you next week.